1: Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advance Media. and Welcome back to the, the They Almost Beat Indiana podcast. I'm joined, as always, <laughs> by James Cratch and Keith Sargent. Uh, so this is my thing, guys, about this week. I, I left the stadium thinking, all right, that was certainly better, of course, better than losing by 41 to Kansas or getting your ass kicked at home against Buffalo. Uh, they play better. They showed some signs, all that good stuff. I woke up the next morning thinking, my God, that's Indiana. I mean, <laughs> like we can't. We can't judge effort against Indiana, can we? Or really, have we really reached that point that the like a, the the second worst program in the Big Ten essentially? I mean, this is this is this where we're at? I mean, what where are you closer to how I woke up or closer to how I left the stadium when you when you look at this game now?
2: Yeah, it's hard to to forget about the big picture of this program overall, right? Because I mean, we 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 talked about it at the beginning of the year at the beginning of the year is you know the, the, the map to success is to win your non conference games, which they clearly haven't and right. to to beat Maryland and Indiana. Everyone, you know, you've given up on, on the notion of be, being able to, to compete with Michigan or Penn State or or the top teams in the Big Ten East. But in order to have success, in order to go to a bowl game, you have to beat Indiana, you have to beat Maryland. And, right. you know, it's, just, it's not about competing or or playing within a touchdown to Indiana. It's about beating Indiana. So you can't forget about the big picture.
1: Yeah, and, and, I, guess, and I guess it wasn't even – Cratch, when you think about the game, it wasn't even really – I mean, it was competitive, but, you know, they were down 24-7 at halftime. Uh, There was some coaching malpractice, I thought, by Indiana in the second half, not kicking that field goal late in the game, Uh, just some schematic things, some decision-making that you just wondered, some turnovers. Um, You know, do you take – is it a moral victory? Do you take something out of this?
0: I don't think it's a moral victory. I, I, I do think that when I was watching the game, I was thinking to myself, Indiana's not very good. And I don't say that to slight Rutgers and they played a lot better in the second half. Obviously the first half was basically just a repeat of what happened against Kansas and, and Buffalo, giving up all the big plays. But for me, I look at this game and I say to myself, you know what? Here's the thing. I think is the great tragic, you know, truth of this Rutgers season is that Rutgers is kind of on par with Indiana team that is four and one. Is probably going to a bowl game this year and Illinois is going to come in this week, kind of the same situation, you know, maybe Maryland's a step above this year. We'll find out, you know, they've been kind of up and down, but that's what I think is the most painful thing for Rutgers is that the big 10 sort of has this soft, like second and third tier. Yeah. That Rutgers should be right in the middle of and being competitive with, but because they've dug themselves such a deep deep hole in the non-conference, uh, they're not going to go anywhere this year. Right,
1: Indiana, Illinois, and in that, but Maryland. I mean, gosh, Minnesota, is, Nebraska.
0: Minnesota. I mean, Nebraska's yeah. a tire fire. Right, right, like, it complete is true. Tire fire.
1: Yeah, and of course, this is the one year. Yeah, or if they had the, even the team from three, two, three years ago, who, who knows what the record would have been? But here we are, right. Um, all right, so what – I mean, what did we like? What did they say today? I mean, at least we saw – I mean, we saw receivers catch balls. We saw, you know, some progress on defense. I mean, Sarge, is, is there a positive takeaway that's going to translate the rest of the season
2: here? Yeah, I mean, I think they – you know, I guess the biggest positive is Arsakowski because, I mean, the last couple of weeks we've yeah. talked in yes. press conferences and we've talked, uh, you know, in, in on on this podcast is – You know, what what type of glimmer of hope do you see out of the quarterback? And to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks, uh, there haven't been. But, you know, I think the biggest takeaway to me was, you know, the the kid is tough. I mean, he kept on, he took a, you know, he he took a pounding and he kept on getting back up. He played better late in the game than he did early in the game, which is a good sign. I think he's, you know, I think it was a good positive step for him.
1: Right. He took took a pounding and the offensive coordinator was kind of funny about that today, wasn't he? (laughs) Crash, what did he say?
0: Yeah, uh, John McNulty really I think was the textbook example of this is a coach talking to his team, you know, his players through the media. Right. Uh, he he ripped the offensive line, you know, he said the pass protection was horrible. The fact that Art uh, he said Art got hit 10 times in the game, that was ridiculous. He made this joke about how he he told the team that he's going to keep trying to find the plays where so they don't have to block anybody. Um <laughs> it's just I mean John McNulty has kind of been like he only talks once a week and it, it's like one of the highlights of of the Rutgers football beat each week because he, he just you know you can tell this guy's been in the NFL for 11 years he just he just says what he sees and, and what the situation is uh, and it, I think it's very clear that they have realized at this point uh this offensive line is a major issue because look when art got Lit up in the pocket against Ohio State. We people say, "Okay, well, Chase Young, Joe, you know Nick Bosa, best defensive line in the, in the nation, whatever." I mean, it's Indiana. Like Indiana is not any imposing defensive front, and, and they their defense is okay, and they really just hit Art early and often on Saturday. And Mcnulty even said, like that one, the first deep throw, I believe he was ref- referencing to Bo Melton, that we'll tell you, was wildly overthrown. He said. You know, if Art doesn't throw the ball, he's going to get killed. So Art really had no choice but just kind of chuck it up and hope that he got enough under it that uh, that it would be there for Melton. Obviously, he he kind of overthrew it. But you know, what are you going to do when a guy is about to get crushed in the pocket? Right,
1: right. I mean, it's funny you meant it was so. McNulty. This is the third straight year that. They've had a they've had a more entertaining offensive coordinator than Chris Ash's interviews with Nolte <laughs> because he says what's on his mind, Jerry Kill for the crotchety, you know, jokes about his health and being an old man, and then Drew Merringer because you're never sure if he was gonna cry or not. So it was like this is this is good. This is like really entertaining offense. The offense isn't entertaining, but at least the coordinators are all entertaining. Uh Sarge, what do you what do you think overall here? Are we going to see changes on the line now? Are we going to see changes in, in strategy? What's going on?
2: I don't think so. Um, maybe, you know, at, at, at left guard, maybe. I mean, you've seen some uh, changes with Lonsdorf and, 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 and Bretman, and um, you've seen Krimmon in there. So maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I left tackle, again, you know, and I like the kid. But to recall. Yeah, hasn't been great. I mean, we went in the year thinking that he's going to be a, you know, an all big 10 caliber type kid. And, you know, he hasn't been great. I thought maybe James can speak to this too. I don't know if we really want to break down the offensive line during this entire podcast, but I am curious because Chris Ash did talk about after the game. He thought that the the four man, uh, rush uh, protection was good. And then, you know, they just had no answers for, for, for any types of pressure, any type of, uh, of blitzes that Indiana threw at them. I think that might've been an issue. And if that, that's the case that maybe speaks to more than uh, just the, you know, the, the, the five man offensive line, maybe that speaks to AJ Blazek a little bit, you know, and not not mm-hmm. being able to come up with, you know, better, uh, you know, adjustments in, in, in dealing with some of the, the, the blitz pickups. And, and maybe even speaks to the, uh, the tight ends and the, uh, the fullback and the, in the running back, uh, trying to chip and, and and uh, keep, you know, Arsikowski on, on his feet.
0: Yeah. I think the main issue they're having is that, one, they they can't run the ball, which I think hurts, is a trickle-down effect on everything. On the edges, the, the pass protection has been a major issue. The two tackles, uh, they're not, you know, Kamal Seymour at right tackle, Tariq Cole left tackle. Uh, they're not having ter- terribly good seasons. I think inside, they've gotten Eddie, Jonah, Jonah Jackson at right guard is having the best season of any offensive lineman they have. I'm not saying that's like a all conference caliber season, but but he's their best offensive lineman. I think you know him, Mike Mende at center, Mike Lonsler for left guard. Those guys are doing are, are holding their own, but I think where their real issue comes in is when they try to run the ball up the middle, they're just not getting a push there. I don't know what changes. I will say this: uh, Raekwon O'Neal, the true freshman uh, tackle, he was out with an injury this past week. Uh, three call was. Limited during practice the week. And he's kind guy of, who I think has been kind of banged up all season long. I am curious that on Saturday, because I thought that was when he really had struggled the most this season. Had Raquan O'Neal been available, um, I wonder if they would have made a change there. Uh, I, I know Ray- to piggyback off that, I've been told flat out that
2: Raquan O'Neal is has a very very bright future, and that is from people inside the program
0: that that they are very very high on that kid for you know going forward. Because Reggie Sutton's the other guy who, you know, he, he was dealing some injuries. Or he's another true freshman. I mean, he's not ready. Like, I, I don't – their plan is, I think, to redshirt him. He, You know, he's not going to break it. Like, if Cole is struggling, you're not going to put Reggie Sutton in the game. But O'Neal, I do wonder if he has gotten to the point where they would say, okay, it's about midseason. Let's try to change this up if, if Cole is 100% and see if we can get something better out of this guy.
1: You do have to admire, admire the fact that they're even with that. They're still taking shots downfield, which some of the Giants don't do. <laughs> from tying in my weekend of football, I mean, it, you know, they were close. If a cup, if one of those big plays. You know, they're trying try to hit Melton a couple times. Jones, if one of those big plays goes the other way, maybe it's a different game. I mean, that's that's at least an encouraging sign that you know they're trying to throw.
2: And long. the uh, the the one play, you know, where where Sakowski overthrows Melton, and Melton was uh, you know had had a few steps on on his on his, uh, on, on his uh, defensive back. You know, you, you see the end of the play, but uh, you know, Sikowski got hammered on that play. And yeah, as John Mcnulty yeah. said today, if he has a chance to maybe step into that throw and maybe target it a little bit you know maybe he completes that ball so you know we yeah. i think fans you know and and us to a lesser extent we 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 see the the uh, you know Shikachi overthrowing Melton on that play that 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 stemmed from from a lack of protection i mean maybe they it can hit one or two of those passes if they have better uh protection up front
0: right. i and i think too, like that sort of play is you know the glimpse into the future and like what is possible because it, if Sikowski connects on that, you're right, Steve, like there may have, like if he connects on one or two of those balls, it might change the game. They might win. And then we go farther when they're playing teams, you know, when they're punching up, when they're, when they're playing heavily favored teams. I mean, imagine what could have happened if Sikowski was able to hit a ball like that against Ohio state early on.
1: Right. You know, it doesn't yes, change the, the 52 game. To 10 instead of 50. Yes. To but three, my yes. point is
0: it, it's sort of the great equalizer, like the, Oh, Rutgers, can do that they haven't been able to do that in a long time when they start to be able to do that with any consistency that changes things for defenses that makes another thing opposing teams have to worry about it's sort of you're making steps towards being a more well rounded competitive team if you right. keep taking those shots because eventually they're probably going to connect they're pretty close it seems, and you know who knows what can happen down the road.
1: Was this enough to change the narrative for Chris Ash? I'm not sure it was, although I I do like the fact, and people comment on the fact, he was much more fired up on the sideline. Anybody who was, wor- you know, talking about the the sleepy coach and the sleepy team and, the, you know, the fact that the intensity, uh, the lack of intensity seemed to match his lack of intensity. I don't know if he heard that criticism from people, but clearly there was a different demeanor on the sideline. He was very animated, very fired up. I just don't know that, you know, playing Indiana close does anything to appease the fan base or to, you know, to, to settle people down who are kind of up in arms. Do you think it might?
2: I, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, he, we, I gave him every opportunity and he talked about, it. he wasn't, you know, slamming his, his fist on, on the podium after the game, but I gave him every opportunity to, to claim it was a moral victory, but he did not go there. And then today, mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was pretty refreshing and in, in, in really saying that, you know, they need to stop this streak. They, they've lost four in a row. He said that we're disappointed in it. And he went, you know, his opening statement really was pretty telling because he's not satisfied. Um, you, you know, it's not just the way he, you, you see him on, on game day on Saturday. He is not
0: comfortable with, with being one and four right now.
1: Wow. All right. <laughs> Are ready for some, so you got some crap Good.
0: I was going to say, I, I, I think it can, it can change the narrative in, in this way. If they beat Illinois on Saturday, I think that it does change the narrative. If they lose to Illinois on Saturday or they regress and they're not competitive against Illinois, I think we're, they're right back to square one. And it's probably honestly worse because Illinois is sort of got that like that kind of vibe like Kansas does. This is not a good program. <laughs>
1: right. All right, let's go to true or false. Uh, as you know how this works, we'll get right into the questions. And you know what the first question is going to be? True or false, Chris Ash will get fired if Rutgers goes one and eleven. True or false, guys, has your opinion changed on this?
0: Nope. False. False.
1: False. False? All right, numbered. We'll get back to that one because we've got some more information on this. Uh true or false. If Rutgers can consistently play like it did in the second half against Indiana, it can win more than one game the rest of the way. True or false? True. True. All right. True or false, Patrick Hobbs, the athletic director, said just enough in his statement to the media, which, of course, by media, I mean Keith Sargent. <laughs> true or false?
2: I, I'll i say true, and uh, I just don't know what else he could really say, uh, you know, four games, five games into the year.
0: Right. Yeah, true. I think true.
1: Okay. True or false, the decommits are starting and an avalanche is coming. True or
2: false? False.
1: False. Okay, Sarge.
2: I don't know what you define avalanche. There's going to be there's going to be multiple ones. I I would you know say yo. Know,
1: five. Yeah, over under five. five.
2: I can wow. I can see five. Okay.
1: True or false? Bo Melton and Shameen Jones are going to become big contributors. Finally, after a good performance. True or false?
0: True. True.
1: True or false? Illinois Illinois crowd more than twenty thousand. True or false? <laughs> False. 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 I get it. Forget it. Uh, true or false? Nothing can stop Ohio State now from the 14 playoff.
2: False. false. Michigan will give them a
1: the game. Yeah. Okay. And finally, true or false? I'm still a little buzzed from Brewfest. True or false?
2: <laughs> true. True. I can't believe you actually made it. We're, we're, we're actually taping at 1.30 on Monday. I, th- I thought the hangover would still be going. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's not. It's not from Brewfest, guys. I have a cocktail as soon as I wake up in the morning. Let's be <laughs> honest. All right, <laughs> going back to the question, and this is—I mean—we should talk a little bit about. You know, a lot of fans have been said, "Where's Where's Hobbs? Where's Hobbs?" I mean, they're waiting for—I don't know what the guy was going to say—waiting for something from Pat Hobbs. We had it. We we got him after the game, Sarge. You know, give us a wait, sense. Wait, 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 of,
2: what, what, you said what, we.
1: We, by we, I meant I stood with Cratch in a general area of where you were in relation to the athletic director when you asked these questions. I think that as part of the team here, I think that I was involved. I with mean, did interview. you have
2: my back if there was any like fish?
1: <laughs> of course not. I was going to talk immediately down the <laughs> hallway. Take us through your conversation with Chris with uh, Pat Hobbs I mean, and what uh, what your senses look.
2: There's some you know stuff that you know is probably better uh, better left unsaid. I will say this: in no way did he want to uh, you know answer a question. He, he's made it clear that he does not want to make any evaluations. He's been consistent with that since he started, not just with football, but every program that that, that he evalu- he evaluates at the end of the year. Um, you have to respect that. Uh, that being said. Mm-hmm. You're right. Fans are, are are looking for some leadership. Um, you know, his pre- uh, predecessor Julie Herman went, you know, a full year like, you know, hiding from the media and not answering questions. So, there's probably a, a you know, a balance of that and I think what he said was a, appropriate. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, I'm not trying to make out my job to be more than it is, but I think in some ways we do. We do ask questions. We are to we our job is to to you know, gauge the pulse of the fan. And, you know, I get emails about it. We see it on Twitter. Uh, we see yeah. it on message boards that the fans want answers from, from Pat Hobbs. He was the one who hired Chris Ash. And uh, so, you know, I, I was the one who, who, you know, approached him after the press conference. Uh, he wasn't thrilled about it, to put it mildly. Um, Didn't want to answer <laughs> it. And, then you know, after you know a few minutes of, of you know, he reconsidered. And uh, he said, what you know, and the quote was, I love our kids. I love our coaches. I love our fight. Our work ethic. And he said that we haven't uh, had an opportunity to win a victory today, but made some mistakes. We'll learn from it. Um, it's an, uh, And we have an opportunity next week against another quality Big Ten opponent. It's an opportunity to show our progress. It's not exactly, right. it's, you know, sure. the most enlightening yeah. quote, but, you know, at least, you know, he recognizes that there is some, you know, he's not naive to the criticism that the, the fo- football program has received so far.
1: He hasn't paid, he did not paint himself into a corner. He, there was none of this. He's my guy. He's got five years. None of that, which is, is smart because you don't know what's going to happen here these next, you know, these next seven games. If the wheels com- completely come off and if we answer that true or false question differently, uh, right. you know, but I don't think it doesn't satisfy anybody. I guess what he, what I'm trying to get to the people who want to hear from something from Hobbs well, today, you know, I still want to hear
0: something. From Hobbs. People want to hear from him though. I mean, Right. Like, well,
1: They want to hear Chris Ashley's in trouble. I think yeah. but they're not going to hear they're that. Hear that. Yeah, I mean,
0: I will say this like I think that Pat isn't like he's a difficult spot because you know being an athletic director, you know, the, the t- reaching out, you know, the interaction, the engagement with, with your with your customers basically, your fan base, you know, everything. Uh but then there's the downside to it and I I think he he said something uh it wasn't anything Groundbreaking, but at least he acknowledged that he hears the complaints and the gripes and the concerns of, of the Rutgers fan base and now they've got basically half a season left to kind of take stock after that but I, I do I understand why fans want to hear from him and I understand why he doesn't necessarily want to say a whole heck of a lot but I do think it was smart for him to say something because you do not want to create the per, the perception that he's, you know, holed up in his office while while the town burns out in front of him.
1: Right. Uh all right. On the decommits, I mean, I think this is an issue because of what happened with Kyle Flood that year and, you know, it just started with one, right? I forget who the first kid to decommit that year was, but and by the you know, by by signing day it was how many was it? Eleven, yeah, twelve? It, it was just a complete it was just a complete disaster. And I think you know for the the people who are watching it closely knew it was going to be a disaster and people like me who don't follow recruiting closely were like well it's a couple of players and before you know it it's the entire class i mean uh they lost one guy i mean I, it was a, a hayek of all people i'm a little surprised by that someone who has good family in the program what do you make of it and you know I, we, you know i we could have or ground to talk in great detail but you know are you are you think this is going to be a thing I,
2: I, i'll say this okay a um it's been a thing for a while the commitments and even when the program's going well you're gonna're you're gonna expect a couple so far the recruiting class isn't great and I'll be totally honest um I'm not gonna you know it's just if you look at the offer list on a lot of these kids they don't have a whole lot of options so some of the kids you know that that might actually have some more options maybe they could reconsider uh, one and eleven will be difficult to stomach for anyone so if, if you get to one in eight, right one and nine and then all of a sudden you start losing the games against you know the, the best teams in the Big Ten with with hardly any records fans in the, in the stadium of course you know kids are going to going to reevaluate I think the bigger issue and we'll talk about this you know at some point later in the year is in this day of age man you're gonna see more and more transfers of players inside the program and this isn't just a records thing you saw it with Clemson you've seen it with Auburn you like cream of the crop programs of, of, of guys who are, are, are losing players who are concerned about their eligibility, that they know that they're, you know, that, that they, they can keep a red shirt. You're, that's going to be the bigger issue that people are going to have to monitor is, you know, especially with a losing team, you know, the, the current players inside the program, because as much as Chris Ash wants to talk about the future, you know, that, that they have so many underclassmen playing right now, you know, know, it's going to be about retention. And for for Rutgers to to make that next step, they're going to have to, you know, keep the players that they want. And you're right. I mean, not, not, you know, decommitments always hurt, but I think, you know, making sure that they don't have a whole lot of players, you know, inside the program transfer is going to be a big issue too.
1: Well, that sounds pretty dark. It's not. I mean, again,
2: I mean, Clemson, you know, Auburn lost two starters two weeks ago. Auburn is a number 12 team in the country. Yeah, you know, I mean, you so,
1: know, the, Rutgers can't afford to lose any talent, but that's yeah, I that, of course that's just in the way of the the way of the world now. I get it, but how many how many players would Rutgers lose if the season goes? I mean, what do you think? What's what's the what's the best uh, estimate? I mean, to, you, and, you
2: start with the guys who who aren't um, you know <laughs> have not lived up to their billing, who aren't playing, you know, guys from. You know, maybe maybe even you know the 2015 recruiting class. You know, guys who have you know another year or two of eligibility left. Maybe guys from the 2016 recruiting class. it was mostly Kyle, uh, Kyle Flood's recruiting class, but also uh, Chris, uh, Chris Ash. You know, was on campus for two months. I guess when when he closed the deal on it. So, you know, you're looking at those guys. I mean, it's it's natural for for guys who are buried on the depth chart. You know, and and you know, so can you stomach some of those and you know, you as much as you want to say, well, you know, those guys weren't going to play anyway. It impacts you. Like Marcus Applefield last year started nine games, and when he left, uh, to to grad transfer to Virginia, the, the feeling was, oh well, uh, they'll they'll be fine. They'll move Jonah Jack. No, depth. That's a factor. You know, yep. it's a factor when 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 you uh, Chris Hogan, who never started a game, um, at, at defensive end, grad transfers to to Temple. You know he could have helped at the defensive line right now. Now you right know. now you have Mike Tverdov playing out of position. He's a redshirt freshman who's doing really well. But if that, if mm-hmm. if Hogan's still here, Hogan is probably starting right now. So all of it's a factor. No matter what, you know, even if a kid is buried on the depth chart, you know, you you, you know the best programs and Chris uh, Chris Ash has told me this, you know, many times. The programs that he wants to model himself are after Michigan State, Wisconsin, those programs, Iowa as well, those programs retain their players. Retention
0: is a big thing. They don't lose a whole lot of players mm-hmm. on a year to year basis to transfer. And on the subject of decommitments, I think what Sarge said is right and it's sort of like a good thing for Rutgers right now and a bad thing. I just very briefly went through, you know, their their commitment page, looked at each player. The offer list There's a couple of guys who maybe have like an offer from Boston College or an offer from Maryland, but other than that, these guys don't really have a lot of tremendous, you know, Power Five options, which I guess is a good thing in the sense that okay, well, you know, yes, one of those guys might get a chance to go elsewhere. And I I think with with Hayek, I you know, Todrick would know better than I am, but I, I think he's a guy who's done really well on the circuit and could potentially be working his way into other Power 5 offers pretty soon as teams start to dole out their kind of, you know, mid-fall offers. But it's good in one sense. It's comforting that, okay, if this guy decommits from Rutgers, you know, it's going to go to Buffalo or UConn. I mean, Rutgers should sit there and say, okay, like, we we are – we we still – even even for 1-11, we're still the best option for him. But at the same time, you're bringing players in, you know, I think Dunleavy always said this. You know, like he looks at the offers, who offered him. You're bringing guys in who don't have a lot of top-notch offers, and then I think it's the point of, all right, we get the development thing, but this team has got to win at some point. You know, five, you know, four, five, six-year rebuild. I mean, that's not the case. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword for Rutgers in that if they're going to have guys leaving the program and decommits, you know, you can do the grad transfer. Route You can do the junior college route, but I think how many times in history has a, as a coach, you know, as a struggling program, tried to do that fix with grad transfers, and junior college guys, it usually never works out.
2: Yeah. yeah and I, yeah, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, that was I'm a popular about refrain from some, uh, some people about, well, you know, maybe they go the, uh, the junior college route. And, and I can tell you right now that, you know, I, I can name, you know, five guys, 10 guys over the last, uh, decade of junior college guys who have not worked out and have not only, you know, not really worked out, but you know, they, they've actually been bad for chemistry, bad in a locker room. Um, yeah. I was say- that doesn't work. Grad transfers is a different story, but even then, I mean, you know, you're it's hit and miss. I mean, um, you know, Kyle Bowen, mm-hmm. Zach Allen, and these are quarterbacks, uh, you know, Andrew Terzilli worked out, but you know, so maybe you, you, you can get a wide receiver on the grad transfer market. You get a running back like a Hilliman or, or or Gus Edwards, but for, for the most part, it's tough. The grand transfer market is so competitive, and you know getting, getting guys who you could just immediately slide in as a starter,
0: it you know, doesn't happen all the time. I mean I, I also think and I don't think records are going to do this, but you know the reason why Kansas football was devastated was because Charlie Weiss showed up and said, "I'm going to fix this by snapping my fingers and bringing in a ton of junior college guys, and it was a complete disaster and they had lost scholarships, and basically the whole program rotted from within. Uh, You can't duplicate that here. I mean, the last thing you want to do is make a a less than desirable situation worse by making risky moves to try to quick fix it. So I don't think – I think Sarge is right. You can't go that route. You just have to stick to the plan, and you've got to sell. I mean, look, they've got to sell this vision for Rutgers no matter what the record is that, that things haven't changed. It and remains to be seen. And I'll say that. this,
2: you know, he, I know he hates the comparison. He doesn't like he, he thinks it's apples and oranges because what Graciano dealt with in his rebuild was different from the Big Ten. I get that, but Graciano, after three years, you know, he made that leap in year four and five, where where he started getting, you know, the if he didn't get the top kids in jersey, he started getting like the second tier guys. You know, it's going to be on Chris Ash to 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 to, to recruit. I mean, that's all there is to it, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough sell, but it's on him, you know, it, you know, just as it's him, you know, on him, you know, for for a large part on those three hours on on game day, it's on him on the recruiting trail. So you know, one and eleven, two and ten, regardless of what what happens at the rest of the way, it's gonna be a pivotal uh, few months for him to be able to recruit.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Greg Shannon probably looks around those facilities and said, gee, I, I, I wish I had those when I was trying to build the program. But anyway, all right, let's move on. Illinois coming to town. The Super Bowl. This is it. The game. They have to win this game or I'm going to jump off the top of the press box. No promises. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right.
2: <laughs> there's there's, <laughs> there's no Fest this weekend either, so, I mean, we're, we're, we're really screwed.
1: I don't need a breath to bring a flask of just yeah. It's going to be rough. All right, so uh, Illinois preview. What can you tell me about the Illini? Are they any better than they were last year when Rutgers went there and won? What, Cratch? You got something for me?
0: That's a great question. Uh, I don't think we really know yet. They're two and two. They've lost two straight. Uh, They beat up, I think, Kent State. Well, first, they they beat Kent State and I think Western Illinois, which is FCS. I think Kent State was up seventeen nothing on them at one point. Uh, they good. lost. They, they they had a double-digit lead against South Florida and blew it. And obviously, they they played pretty tough with Penn State for a little while. Uh, then they got blown out. They're coming off a bye week. Two things that stand out to me about Illinois. One, they haven't played a road game yet. Three games in Champaign, one game against UCF in Soldier Field. This team is very young, and it hasn't been on the road yet this season. Two, they cannot run the ball. Oh, excuse me. They cannot throw the ball. They're, very, they're one of the okay. Big Ten's best rushing offenses in terms of yards per game. They really try to run the ball, and they cannot stop the run. They're the worst defense in the Big Ten, basically, on all categories. And if they're not last, Rutgers is probably last. So this could be a game that becomes a track meet. It could be ugly. But I do think if you're Rutgers on offense – you look at this Illinois defense, and you say we should be able to build off of our better showing against Indiana because they have a lot of issues on that side of the ball. Uh, my 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 You've my, my answers, observation right? is mm-hmm. their coach Lovey
2: Smith has an awesome beard. His beard is really that
1: is a I, you don't not like sure it about the beard
2: though? Yeah, Isn't I like great? it. I think it's, it's distinguished. Kind of I think yeah, I like, I like it. it. I'm jealous of it. But yeah, they are coming. Yeah, Keep in a mind a also, get- 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 um, they, they are coming off a bye. Um, uh, that, that, you know, so they're going to be well-rested and, um, but Crouch is right. The, 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 you know, the idea that they haven't hit the road, I think that's a test, especially for a young team.
1: All right. Prediction. Whew. Dun, 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 This is an opportunity yeah. to pit. To, we I'll, might I'll go first. I'm going to go
2: Rutgers. <laughs> um, you know, they beat them, wow. uh, you know, a year ago. Um. I a little. A little
1: Homer I think stuck my phone. Know,
2: what? coming away after reading uh, Cratch's uh, film review, which I mean, it just it gets better every week. If you haven't read it. I <laughs> it mean, took
1: 30, it took us 32 minutes to get a film review. Yeah, I mean, just, the, the
2: thing is, is gold. Is yeah. uh, but uh, the takeaway I got from it is, if they play the way they did in the second half, and if, you know that they, they, they're going to win some games, and I think, uh, or, you know, or maybe a game. And I think this is the the type of game where where you're at home. You beat Illinois a year ago. Um, I think they they're going to win this game. Um, I think, um, yeah, they're going to have to keep it you know low scoring. I would think it's going to be in 2017 range.
0: All right, Cratch. I am also going to pick the Scarlet Knights. Oh. Wow. I am Ooh. going to say Rutgers wins 25-24. Uh, yeah, no. Look, I, I think Illinois is just going into the year. We thought Rutgers was better than Illinois. I think if if they continue to play the way they did against Indiana on offense, they should be okay. The defense, it, it, the defense does worry me because we, this soft zone coverage. They, I understand why they're using it, but they just got sliced and diced by Peyton Ramsey, who's an okay quarterback for Indiana. The good thing for them is Illinois doesn't throw the ball very well. But I at the same time, I also think that soft zone is not going to do well against the run if they can kind of get their RPO going and get guys out in space. So I think there's a, uh, there's a potential this becomes like a 45-42 game where just no one plays any defense. But I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'll say 25-24. Rutgers ekes one out. And they go to Maryland with a little bit of momentum, a little bit of juice.
1: I thought I was the one at Brewfest because both of you are drunk.
0: Oh,
1: oh, I'm gonna take the Illini. Sorry, but the way this TI just you know it's gonna be. Uh, I don't think they can stop anybody. I think yeah, Indiana stopped themselves last game. The first half defense. I just don't. I just don't see. And I get it that it may be, maybe maybe uh, Illinois can't pass. But you'd be surprised how teams seem to find open receivers against Rutgers, even teams that can't throw. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with 34 twenty one illinois victory Ow. um all right so wow you like that that might be victory, popular yeah. all right so I'm gonna, so we, we, we do we've we've done in the past we've done mean we've done mean <laughs> uh tweets and mean you know email i I actually have a, a hilarious maybe sort of mean snail mail letter I received Can I tell you about this guys to end sure. the podcast so I get home I get home. From the Illinois game there's a package on oh. my dining room table uh, and I opened the package and it did not explode <laughs> so the package is from a booster that I know of a guy and I, I can't I'm not going to name him but it's a guy who has a lot of tickets who has been a supporter for many many years so and in the in the in the envelope there are tickets to the Indiana game a scarlet lot parking pass and a sweatshirt so let me read you the letter Dear Steve, enclosed you will find four tickets and a red lot parking pass. Please try to find some people to occupy these seats so the stadium is not completely empty. As you know, I have given my seats away for 24 years, but this year has been the hardest. I worked with a probation officer in Newark and he gave four gang members a choice. Sit through the entire game or spend six months in a juvenile detention center. And they chose the center. <laughs> <laughs> number two close, you'll find number two forty dollars <laughs> he said he sent me two twenty dollar bills forty dollars it is doubtful that you will find anyone to take these good seats and parking pass unless you pay them ten dollars a seat to take them please offer them the cash <laughs> which i have which i have put into a, a one of those collection uh things at a bagel shop so don't worry i did not pocket the money. Uh, Number three, it is still doubtful that you will find someone to go to the game. So in that case, use the money to buy yourself a bottle of booze to help you forget. Perhaps you can give the tickets away to the members of your family or friends. Of course, they didn't get them in time, so the tickets were useless. Uh, in the event that they would be too embarrassed to stay past the first quarter, one of them can wear the sweatshirt. And the sweatshirt, I can't, can't make it up, it says BTW, like, by the way, BTW. And underneath that, I'm leaving early. <laughs> 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 so i thought that i'm going to bring the sweatshirt with me to the rutgers game uh the the game and if a fan sees me and mentions this podcast and that they'd stayed to this end of this podcast to hear this story i will give you this sweatshirt as as a fan, as a as a free giveaway for for listening this long to the podcast that Boy, seems there. fair right
0: yeah
2: definitely yeah i like it
1: absolutely yeah. Yeah, I like it. So at least at least we know you people still have your sense of humor. All right, anything else? What else you well, got? Yeah, I was going to say, like, with, we, we all you went you know,
2: to, uh, you know, to, to kind of gauge, gauge the pulse of the fan, went to a couple of tailgates on, 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 on Saturday morning. And I thought it was really cool that we came out alive because I really did think when we went over to see Adam Helfgott and Danny Breslauer, you know, who have their competing, I thought right. a knife right. fight was going to break out. Like the, the scene in Anchorman where, where – all of a sudden, I look to my left, and like Cratch has a hand grenade. Like, where, where'd you get a hand grenade, Cratch? Uh, like, I really did think there was going to be like a knife fight, like a, a brawl with Adam, uh, Adam, and, and Danny. But cooler has prevailed, I guess.
1: A lot of po- a lot of podcasts in the same tailgate. At that point, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it, 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 was. I, that was, it was. That was pretty intense. Test.
0: Yeah, it was. It was.
1: And Brewfest. I mean, come on, that was we people. People at Brewfest actually said they actually listen. I got that. I heard that like four or five times. I don't know if they're just making it up or if they actually do listen. But people said, "Hey, well, with those little cups, trying to drink, trying to drink as much beer as possible before you know at eleven, at ten in did the morning." Did they have any, was, they was, have any like
0: beer in bottles, Steve?
1: No, it was all it was all kegs. It was When I, I got,
0: I wrote the thing you know, about Brewfest, you know, I knew they had the breweries, but I thought like you know. When they mentioned they had, like, Blue Moon and stuff, I, I thought that might be in bottles, which would have helped people get more beer, you know, at the same time.
1: Right. No, they they, they only – you can only bring in those little cups. There's no bottles available, and people uh, – people were in good spirits, though. They were laughing. I think there's that, you know, there's that cheer. And I've heard this a lot, and this is funny. I should have mentioned in the comment I wrote about it. But, but people, you know, while they're frustrated with the program, the ones who are still going are going because they like the – they just like being there. They like the atmosphere. They like seeing their friends. They like hanging out. They like their tailgates. So, you know, maybe the crowd won't be as bad as we think.
2: I, I think, uh, uh, you know, yeah. I will say this. I've heard, because you, you walk around and, and there's actually a lot of people in the parking lots. It feels like, okay, well maybe this is a week where they actually have a pretty good crowd. I am, I can't tell you, at least probably five or six people told me, and they're different circles. So not the same type types of uh, tailgates, but People who just would go to the game, go to the tailgate, but wouldn't actually go into the to to the stadium to watch the game, and it'll be interesting. Like, I mean, how many people actually do that? Actually, like, uh, uh, you know, go go just to tailgate. You know, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's fun. You know, maybe that's what I would do. Maybe that maybe that's what I'll do this week rather than actually cover the game.
0: Maybe I'll just tailgate.
1: Are you telling me there's an option? You don't have to go in? Are you telling me there's, an option? there's an option? I didn't know there was a choice. It
0: would be interesting if Rutgers yeah, could could yeah, somehow yeah. kind of capitalize off that in the sense that I sell some sort of ticket where it's like you can't go in in the first half but like you reserve the right to enter if it's close at halftime. <laughs>
1: The $5, what would it be, They're like $5 if it's a one possession, $7 ticket if it's a seven-point game. Something, or something like that, that yeah, like,
0: like, you know, because cause here's the thing, like, one of the things I, I thought I was in the stands was, like, I understand, like, people might be up high and that they want the vantage point and everything, but, like, you got to send someone, like, hey, guys, like, you got, you, you dad and two, and two, you know, son and a daughter up in the upper deck, come on down. You know, like, come <laughs> sit here. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, thank you. God bless come, you. You've come. come. We we love you. Here's a sweatshirt. Here's a, a soft pretzel. Come, come sit here.
1: Here's the, yeah. Here's the play, call. Here's you want, the play call. You
0: want a quarterback?
1: Stand right here. Here's the press conference afterward. They're just try it. Actually, I like it.
0: Like, no, I want to stay here so I can see the game. That's fine. But, like, bring everybody down. Just come on down, guys.
1: Alright, that's what we'll do. Maybe we leave the press box and do that one week. All right, let's sign off. We've been we've been at this long enough. Steve Politti, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to recap the Illinois game next week.